Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome into the Monday, June the 17th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, part one of the Face of the Franchise series is up live on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. Today, we look at number one quarterback prospect from Alabama to Atunga-Vailoa. We're going to examine his strengths, his weaknesses, and his potential fit with the Miami Dolphins. Plus, we're going on Weight Watchers. The Dolphins posted updated weights to the player profile pages on MiamiDolphins.com, what those fluctuations mean, and we'll take a look at Lindy's NFL positional rankings and where the Dolphins check in on that list. But first... Before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app or at Himalaya, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. Voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. And you can find the show at LockedOnFins. Of course, LockedOnDolphins.com for all your daily Dolphins content needs. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have a busy Father's Day show. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Now, the Dolphins have updated their player profiles on the official team website, and that comes with new measurements, i.e. weight changes, fluctuations going up and down. And there's a couple that I think are worth noting on this list. Of course, the guys are going to be off for the next six weeks before training camp, and this certainly provides the team with a system to monitor everybody's offseason progress. If a player shows up to training camp in late July, ballooned out, that's probably not a good thing for that player going forward. But this list provides us with some decently sizable changes on a few guys. A couple of guys lost some weight among them. Laramie Tunzel, which to me is excellent news for his dedication to getting that new contract and taking his game to the next level. Although you could argue that his game already is at an elite level, unlike the folks at Lindy's, which we'll talk about in the follow- or the final segment of this podcast. Kalen Balage also lost some weight, and we do expect him to see a rather expanded role in the mold of Frank Gore last season. Season, but can we chill a little bit on presuming him the starter ahead of Kenyon Drake? Can we at least let him earn that? Because Drake has, Balaj has not to this point, but he has slimmed down and he looks fantastic in great shape for training camp. Raquan McMillan is perhaps the most intriguing of all the guys that lost weight. We heard about the idea for Brian Flores that he wanted... McMillan to watch Dante Hightower film to see what his role is going to be in this Miami defense, working off the edge as a pass rusher, blitzing inside in the A-gaps more, and probably helping out in coverage a little bit more, but more refined to the flats and hook zones, opposed to dropping his head and running backwards in coverage down the field like he was doing under Matt Burke's defense at times. Devon Godchop dropped a few pounds as well. I wonder if he truly is going to play the nose tackle position or be more of a sub-package nose guy on rush situations 
or third and long. Different sub packages could put Godshaw in different places on the defensive line. And Jamius Pittman, last year's undrafted free agent, he dropped some pounds as well. And he's also in the running for some work at the nose tackle position. Another guy that I think could stick and fill out one of the low percentage roles on that defensive line is Joey Embu. Friend of the podcast, Kevin Dern, you guys know who he is. He made a mention to me that Embu might be suited for that Danny Shelton role that we assumed that Shelton might sign here and fulfill that role himself, but he is not. He went back to the Patriots, so maybe Embu can give you something like 300 snaps this season and help clog up the interior on those heavy packages on the defensive line. He's built like a house, six foot three, 330 pounds, and 36-inch arms. That, my friends, is a nose tackle in this defense. Other notable guys, Mika Fitzpatrick gained 7 pounds. Josh Rosen is 226 pounds. I did not think he looked that big at all based upon what I've seen from Josh Rosen. And I kind of wonder if there was a typo with undrafted free agent from Pittsburgh, Dwayne Hendricks. He started in college at 265 on his profile page. And now at Miami Dolphins, he's up to 290 pounds. Have mercy. Okay, before we go into the break, I want to check in on this piece by Cameron Wolf up on ESPN. Cam's one of the best writers in our industries. We're thankful and lucky that he works for the Miami Dolphins portion of things. And he wrote a great feature on Brian Flores and the principles by which he's building this Miami Dolphins foundation. And the piece is centered around these concepts that Brian Flores is bringing with him to Miami or these pillars of success for long-term success on this football team. And he talks about how Flores has implemented several elements of his culture, and that includes punctuality, discipline, and competition, as well as some one-line mantras that apparently have made their way across the facility as players repeat some of these Flores-isms, if you will, to other guys and is catching on like wildfire. And there's a much more serious tone in the building, Cameron Wolf writes on ESPN, including the TNT wall, the takes no talent wall. We all know about that, but Flores has a quote in this piece where he says, I tell my players that I can go out there and get conditioned. If I just go out there and run every day, I'm not going to do that like they do, but I could do that. Any of us in here could do that. That really takes no talent. It just takes hard work and effort. So it's more about the discipline and the effort you put in than it is the talent because we can find talent, but if the guys don't want to work hard, they're not going to make it in this game, much less in Brian Flores' program that emphasizes these things like punctuality, discipline, and making little mistakes. And I want to refer back to the reason that I stuck by Adam Gase for as long as I did as a proponent that he might be a viable option for a long-term coach here in Miami. I just felt like those little penalties and miscues were the difference between his 17th ranked scoring offense back in 2016 to becoming a top 10 scoring offense in 2017 or I guess later in 2018 with Ryan Tannehill at the trigger opposed to Jay Cutler and I clenched to that for too long. I think in this industry, the football evaluation or analyst or reporter, whatever you want to call it, in this industry, it's important to always be learning and to process and learn from the mistakes that you've made. And that was a mistake that I personally made, thinking that you could flip this switch and just fix those missteps with a snap of a finger. But the truth is, those missteps were indicative of a larger overarching theme. You see, those penalties and discipline issues were a consequence of Adam Gaze's style and the culture that he had built in Miami, 
But now that's all over with Brian Flores coming here. And it's nice that the Dolphins are finally declaring a plan and executing that plan the way they saw it previously before the plan was put into place. Of course, we won't have any results on which to judge the effectiveness of that plan for at least a year, probably two to three years. But as someone that has had their finger on the pulse of this team, for the better part of two decades, I don't ever recall a time when the Dolphins laid out a plan and stayed true to that plan from start to finish. This year, they said they wanted to be largely hands-off in free agency, and they were. They said they wanted to hire a leader above everything else, someone that could come in and establish a foundation, and they have done that. Now, I don't know if Brian Flores is going to be a great NFL coach. I'm hopeful that he is, but I do know that he's a great leader and people are going to follow him. And we've already seen the dividends of that paying off so far this offseason in 2019. So that, coupled with the fact that he put together an awesome staff, gives me excitement for the future of this organization. And speaking of the future, we're going to come back on the other side of the podcast here and talk about the future of the QB position in Miami. We're breaking down all things to Tonga Vailoa next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Linkful NFL at Locked On Fins. like to wish all the fathers listening out there on this Sunday night or Monday morning, whenever you get the Locked On Dolphins podcast here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, want to wish you a happy Father's Day. I think that I am on the clock to be a father in the near future, maybe next year, probably two years out though, when I will celebrate my first Father's Day as a dad, hopefully. Everything goes according to plan, but I want to talk next about the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, and before we get into that, I think it's a good parallel or a good segue here to talk about the troubled relationship between Tua Tonga-Vailoa and his dad down at Alabama. There was a USA Today story about Tua's dad taking a belt to him after poor performances, and then he and the entire family followed Tua to Tuscaloosa to watch his college career develop down there in Alabama, and reports are that Tua is still very much under the guidance and watchful eye of his family. I do think that once he takes the step to the next level into the NFL, he's going to need to sever that cord, so to speak, when he does eventually get to the professional ranks. But I think it is a bit presumptuous to project those problems long-term, but I do think it bears watching. But what about his on-field prowess? My goodness, is it fun to watch this guy play football. Up on LockedOnDolphins.com, the five-part series, part number one, taking a look at the face of the franchise, is live right now to a tongue of Iloa. But before I get into his breakdown, I wanted to read my foreword on the quarterback play in Miami over the last couple of decades. And I think we probably need some music because... It's kind of difficult to read, and we'll go ahead and overlay it here with some sad undertones. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off right here. The forward here on the search to replace Dan Marino two decades long now. 7,091 days, 308 games. That arduous, ceaseless waiting period spans the time from Dan Marino's last buckle of the chin strap to present day. Now, the Packers and Colts were fortunate enough to hand the ball from one legend to another without skipping a beat. For Dolphins fans, Marino's retirement coincides not only with the turn of the century, but with the downturn of the once winningest franchise in all of professional sports. Chad Pennington's 2008 MVP runner-up season sits a mere blip on the radar of futility. 
Ryan Tannehill teased fans for five years before an injury brought all hope to a fiery end. Dante Culpepper was the worst consolation prize ever contrived, and John Beck, Chad Henney, and Pat White each qualify as second-round busts. The misery feels perpetual, yet somehow not defeating. At least the Dolphins got the bat off the shoulder this offseason by taking a crack at Josh Rosen, but his rookie tape leaves plenty to be desired. A first-round signal caller is the odds-on favorite for Miami in next April's draft, a class brimming with QB talent. If patience truly is a virtue, then Dolphins fans have waited long enough. The collective has earned the right to unanimously appoint the next hero of professional football in South Florida. No more arguments, no more debates, just an unequivocally beast of a quarterback capable of willing the Aqua and Orange to victory on any given Sunday. The same way number 13 did for so many years. And here we are continuing that search in 2019, almost 20 years after Dan Marino did hang things up for good. And we stop today with part one of the Face of the Franchise series, taking a look at Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Check out the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. I've got about 20 to 25 videos breaking down his game up in that thread. Some quotes from scouts that believe that Tua is the next big deal. This quote right here, he does a lot of things you can't coach. He sees the field. He throws accurately. He's athletic. He's got a really unique package that was an anonymous NFL scout that told AL.com, Alabama.com, quote, he anticipates throws. He can really visualize a throw. Guys don't have to be open. He sees openings before they happen. And Jim Nagy, the director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, made his proclamation that Tua Tungavailoa would have been the first pick in the draft this past April. If he was eligible, he was not. So he comes back for year number three in college, trying to get the Crimson Tide to their third consecutive national championship game in college football. Now, the things that really set Tua apart from the rest of his peers, there's a few of them, actually a lot of them, much more strengths than weaknesses. The first one is the accuracy and his natural throwing motion. He has that natural elasticity in his arm that allows him to throw the football with great accuracy, regardless of the platform or arm angle. He can drop it. He can move side to side. He can push up in the pocket, and he still finds a way to put the ball where it needs to be. I think in today's NFL, in today's overwatched, overscouted football climate, we tend to overvalue traits that aren't as important as simply being able to rip a football with poise, velocity, and accuracy above all those things. Everything is hardwired across Tungavailoa's mechanics, from his feet to his eyes and his hips to his shoulders. His proper alignment creates impressive torque and spin on a variety of different throw types, whether it's a touch pass, a drive throw, or a deep arcing ball. The best thing about Tua Tungavailoa is his deep ball. I think he's the best person on the planet who's not named Russell Wilson in that category. Go watch his college tape. There are tons of perfectly placed deep ball, deep balls all over his tape. The next thing, the light feet and escapability to show poise under duress. Now, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that don't have the light feet in the way that Kyler Murray did this year, for instance. Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger have heavy feet, but they make up for it by anticipating their pass rush 
identifying the landmark of the pass rusher who has a certain aim point they want to get to, but also the poise to pick up the route progression while under pressure. And Tua can do that, but he also has the inherent light feet trait that allows him to push out of the pocket on either side, drive up in the pocket, and flee and make plays both as a passer and as a runner. This marriage of exceptional traits makes Tangavailoa difficult to sack, a legitimate big play scramble threat, and most importantly, a very dangerous off-script playmaker. He is exceptional in that regard. The next strength I identified was his processing and cerebral aptitude within the structure of the offense, and we know Bama is loaded across the board on offense. But what allows them to maximize that talent is the processing skill set and the ability to work with three-man route combinations and full field reads from their young 21-year-old quarterback. Tungavailoa not only identifies and understands most pre-snap coverages and post-snap rotations, he knows which route combinations are designed to attack those particular coverages, and he has a photographic-like memory that allows him to blindly read the backside of the play while working through the first part of the progressions, and it gets him through the one, two, three, and fourth progression in a flash. Lastly, his designed run package prowess, not a lot of description needed here. He can run the football and hurt you with his legs. Now there's a couple areas I have for focused areas of improvement. Number one, he's just got a shortened memory a little bit. He comes back with some bad plays and they cavalcade on top of one another at times in big moments. Now it wasn't a frequent enough occurrence to call it a habit. And I think it's to be expected of a 21-year-old quarterback, but it's something to watch this postseason when Bama is inevitably in the hunt once more. The one that I think is really a sticking point for scouts is the drive throws. He doesn't have the Matt Stafford arm, but he does have a more than adequate arm for the professional level. And his anticipation prowess helps him mask some of the velocity issues on those field side throws. But I do think a good play caller can minimize that risk by just taking it out of the playbook and finding other ways to maximize Tungavailoa's strengths. The last note I have is just to get healthy. He had a knee injury, an ankle injury, and those things both showed up on tape late in the season, I thought, kind of limiting his mobility and thus limiting his game. I want to see him play healthy. If he comes back and takes another injury, that might be cause for concern going into the NFL with three injuries in two years, something you don't want to see happen for a college player. As for his potential fit with the Dolphins, I think it's perfect, although I do think he's probably a perfect fit in every offensive scheme. The controlled short passing game is indefensible at its peak, and I think that's what Tungavailoa's true ceiling is. His pre-snap prowess would help Miami attack vulnerable matchups, keep the offense on schedule, and finally unlock that true deep potential of Kenny Stills and Jakeem Grant with built-in shot plays within the structure of the offense. I just think this guy is nearly a perfect quarterback prospect. He's not as good as Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, but he is damn good because Trevor Lawrence, frankly, last year was the best freshman quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. And Tonga Vailoa is not that far off from that level. I think whoever drafts this guy is going to change the fortune of their franchise, and it's probably going to take the first pick in the draft. Can the Dolphins earn that via a trade-up or by finishing dead last in the NFL? We'll see, but if they do, it's going to change this team and this franchise for the foreseeable future. Okay, we've got one more segment left here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast on this Sunday Father's Day edition slash Monday morning, depending on when you guys check out the podcast. But I want to say thanks to Untuck It for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. If you guys are looking for great late Father's Day gifts ideas or just trying to buy yourself a shirt that looks great, 
Untuck It shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. Whether you're in your cubicle or on the patio for happy hour, there is no tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com and use promo code MBA, that's National Basketball Association, untuckit.com, promo code MBA to get 20% off your order. One of the ways my football fandom really took off from a young age was the national publication pieces that gave us looks into NFL previews of every 32 team, of all 32 teams, I should say, in the National Football League. I used to read the Pro Football Weekly previews from cover to cover every single summer, and actually I still do, but what I used to do was I would read them, memorize the starting lineups and key contributors, like 25 to 30 players on every roster, and then I would go for my jogs in the evening and would recall the starting lineups of those teams until it was all committed to memory across all 32 teams, and I think that really kind of helped me get an understanding of who the players were in the league. But the more I do it, the longer we get into the future, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say, is that these publications are lacking so bad. And I know we're in an age where you do have individual team experts. I guess I'll call myself a Dolphins expert. Hell, I talk about this team every single day. I would hope I'm bordering on expert status at this point. But these guys that do these national publications... How can they possibly have a grasp on who is good and where players rank across the league? Because the truth is, you just can't keep your finger on the pulse of all 32 teams at the level that we do here on the Locked On Network on a team-by-team basis. But that's why I wanted to dive into this Lindy's Magazine positional preview or positional rankings preview in their preview magazine for the 2019 season. And they laid it out in categories. And we have a piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com written by our own Sean Diggity on the Locked On Dolphins webpage. How did the Miami Dolphins shape up in Lindy's NFL preview? He published it on Saturday, so go back and check out that piece. But they broke down each position into categories. And at the quarterback position, they had it into three categories. Pocket passers, all purpose, and best of the depth. And the publication didn't even bother to rank Josh Rosen. I assume they're going forward with just the starters like Ryan Fitzpatrick. But then again, they have a couple of backups in that category with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick comes in as the penultimate slot, the second to last spot on the best of depth. He's ranked fourth out of five in that category, and he falls between Jacoby Brissett and Blake Bortles. So this publication thinks that our starting quarterback is probably best served as a backup. And they're not wrong, but there's other positions where I have a lot of qualms with. The receiver spot with Kenny Stills as the 15th best deep threat in between Juju Smith-Schuster and Sammy Watkins, which is probably very, very low for Juju Smith-Schuster. But Kenny Stills comes in at 15th. Then they have this tier called the twos. And that is where Devontae Parker checks in as the 16th best two in the NFL. And that's crazy to me because Devontae Parker at this stage of his career is probably the fourth receiver on this roster. At least that's where he starts the season at. But the bottom line of all these articles or these rankings is that they don't think very highly of this Dolphins offense. Neither Mike Gesicki or Durham Smith were mentioned at the tight end position. 
but Dwayne Allen did check in on the best of depth once again. So basically, the Dolphins are full of backups at starting positions on the offense, according to this Lindy publication. And to further your frustration with this list, Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj, not even on the list at all. So they don't think the Dolphins running backs or the Dolphins in general have a top running back on the roster. On the offensive line, Laramie Tunzel is the 13th left tackle on the list. He is between or behind rather Taylor Moten, Jake Matthews, and Teron Armstead. That's what I'm talking about with these national publications having no idea what they're watching. Tunzel, at worst, in my opinion, is the third best tackle in the NFL. Daniel Jeremiah said he could have been an all-pro last year, didn't even get the Pro Bowl nod, but yet here we are, unknown and under-respected, mainly because the team he plays on. And frankly, that just tends to be how it goes with these player positional rankings. They've got Jordan Mills on there for some reason. I don't think he's even going to start. They've got Kiko Alonso at number five ahead of Jerome, Jerome Baker at number nine on the Will linebacker positions. And there's no mention of Raekwon McMillan on this list. Neither Rashad Jones or Mika Fitzpatrick make the cut for the safety position. This whole thing is just strange in my opinion, but then they come back and have Xavier Howard as the number one cornerback on this list. And I, like I talked about earlier last week on the podcast, I can see that argument. I don't agree with it just yet. I think he's probably top three or top five, but to be the best, I think this entire thing is just kind of jumbled and drawing names out of a hat, especially Laramie Tunzel number 13. But the good news is we're not going anywhere here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, so we'll continue to provide the best coverage of your Miami Dolphins here on this podcast. But as for today's podcast, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. We're going to resume the divisional previews on tomorrow's show, and I think for the AFC East preview, we're going to go team by team on different days and have some guests on to talk about the Jets, Bills, and Patriots. So we'll probably do that next week. And we'll continue the rest of the AFC Divisional Previews on tomorrow's podcast with the AFC West. Before I get out of here, I want to tell you guys about Grip6 Belts. Today's show is brought to you by Grip6 and their ultra lightweight belts with no holes, no flaps, and a great Father's Day gift or just a great gift in general. Go to Grip6.com. They have a special offer for you when you use the promo code LOCK. That's L-O-C-K-E. Grip6.com slash LOCK to get your hands on a Grip6 belt. Okay, let's go ahead and button this thing up. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Himalaya, or wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.